0: Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare insurance plans underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company. They offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com.
1: Botox Cosmetic, auto botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you.
2: For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300.
1: Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.
0: Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Spring? Is that you? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com. Code SUPER24.
1: The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed.
2: From the center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center podcast feed, and this episode is Cues of the Force. The "Cues" stands for questions, and the answers will hopefully materialize like a Force spirit appearing before someone in need. I'm Joseph Grimshaw.
3: I'm Cat Knapsok, and like all four spirits, I'd like to sit down now, please. My back hurts.
2: (laughs) I would really, really love if there was a four spirit who appeared and was sitting down, but there was nothing visible for them to sit on, right? There was no (laughs) stone, there was no log, There's just like, look, uh, I am appearing to you from an entirely different realm of existence. You're just going to have to imagine my chair. Yeah,
3: that's it. That's it. That's all I want.
2: (laughs) <laughs> That's all I want. And maybe when that four spirit is sitting down on absolutely nothing that we can perceive, uh, they're listening to a, a book from Audible. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. You can get a free audiobook download and a 30 day free trial at audibletrial.com slash four center over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. This week, we are continuing to recommend Shadow of the Sith by Adam Christopher. We're going to be digging deep into that big book. So if you want to be caught up, you can listen by downloading your free audiobook today at audibletrial.com. One more time, that's audibletrial.com for your free audiobook. Ken, as we are are recording here today, have you completed your journey
3: through Shadow of the Sith? I have not. It's so funny. I started reading this book so early. I brazenly proclaimed to Joseph off air. I might have enough time to read it twice. <laughs> I'm hoping to finish it before we record. And I will, but uh, not anything on the book, just life. And it sits there on the coffee table and you know, you do that thing where you're like, "Ooh, yeah, I need to read a couple chapters. I'll do that in three days, apparently, <laughs> and so it's good, and this is why I love the I love the audiobooks, and that's an option and i might I might start doing that even though I sometimes struggle with not the audiobooks themselves, but just I get lost in my thoughts, and next, thing you know I'm thinking about what I need to target, not the book I'm listening to, but I think I might need to do that to help me uh you know always be engaged with the book, reading and listening, oh yeah,
2: getting on that treadmill that you got there, right
3: yeah, might have to might have to.
2: Yeah, maybe maybe that's what will finally make me really commit to uh, an exercise <laughs> regimen is uh, listening yeah. to audiobooks on a treadmill. No, I I, I feel you. The I, spoiler: I enjoyed the book, but at this point, I really do have to like set aside uh, one or two days and just be like, "This is what I'm doing today. I'm power reading this book." <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right. Well, we look forward to discussing that in more depth soon. But right now, we're going to get to your questions. We got two from Twitter, two from our patrons on Patreon, and we're going first to Twitter. And we have a question from R2-D2 playing bass. Yes, that's right. Not only is the image of R2-D2 playing the bass, the the image of this person's uh, Twitter presence, it's their actual name, R2-D2 playing bass. Here's what they have to say. How big are planets in Star Wars? When Luke is told by Obi-Wan to go to Dagobah to find Yoda, he isn't given much information. Could you imagine being told to go to Earth and find Tony? (laughs) I am happy to suspend disbelief, but just out of curiosity, do you think the planets are tiny? All the best, guys, and thanks for the great work. May the Force be with you. Uh, Thank you, (laughs) R2-D2 playing base, uh, for the fun question. I feel I could easily find a Tony, but possibly not the Mm. right Tony. I can find a Tony pretty quick most places, right? Yeah, yeah. Just
3: shout. (laughs) Just shout. Uh, yeah,
2: very, very fun question. Uh, I think uh, it feels to me both uh, sincere and also having a sense of humor to it. So, uh, Ken,
3: where do you go with this? I sincerely have a sense of humor with it. That's where I go. I wrote in all caps. I think about this all the time. <laughs> this is something that I've thought about all my life, all my time. And like, like R2D2 playing bass says, it's, I'm, dis- disbelief has been suspended. I got no problem with it, but it's a big it's just a big curious uh, question mark that I have here. Uh, it really it reared its head again for me with the Mandalorian, with a lot of him just kind of, I got to go to this planet and I'm kind of right where I need to be. And again, I'm saying this again, I'm okay with it. I just think about it a lot. And then Lego Skywalker saga where you have to, you know, you have the option to fly towards the planets and you know, and you see it and you can choose to go to it. But I'm, I, it's just like, wow, this is pretty big. So I, I, you know, I think just in terms of that, I think the coordinates is the answer I tell myself, you know, I got the coordinates and then I move on um, and I can buy the force thing having a little something to do with Dagobah life readings, anything, or just the idea that R2 is like, oh, I've been here before. I'll get you. I'll get you there. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I know um, where
2: Yoda crashes.
3: Yeah, I know where he goes. Uh, but I would love a deleted scene of Din Djarin just landing all over Tython and just going, damn, not it over and over and over and over and over. So uh, to the direct question, I'll wrap up my answer here. We can uh, uh, get to you here. Do I think planets are tiny in Star Wars? No, I don't, which only adds to this problem in my mind. I think they're big old rocks, and you got to find the right spot, and it's a miracle. And uh, I don't know all the answers, but I love this question.
2: Yeah, it's a very fun question. I think for me the answer is no, the planets are quite large. They are Mm -hmm. of different sizes, but some of them, Huge, ginormous, yeah. right? Uh, yeah. I, I like your 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 point when you're uh playing the Lego game of like you can you're at Camino and like look at how small Tapoka City is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it really drives it home. These planets range in size. Um, I think this is one that uh I don't know. I'm almost like um I'm electrified by the uh, the challenge of it. Um,
3: yeah, yeah. That
2: I think for me there are lots of answers that are sometimes either directly offered by by the stories or implied by the stories or you can just fill in the gap like i think for a lot of the planets it's you know the force guiding the pilot makes a lot of sense to me i think luke going to dagobah is like yeah that's you know he's being pulled you know by instinct to a, a specific location for me like and i think there's some other uh you know trips like that where you can imagine someone being you know, uh, directed by the force. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe uh, Ray and Chewie landing on at the right island on Octo. You know, maybe mm-hmm. that is a scanning for life forms. Maybe that is, uh, I know uh, Ray is not sensing Luke in, in particular, but maybe she senses the caretakers, you know? Right, right. Uh, so there's that. And then I think there's some uh, specific instances of scanning for life forms or technology, right? I mean, that's explicitly yeah. why, uh, you know, the Imperials find. Uh, the technology on Hoth, right? Um, I think Obi Wan knowing where Topoka City is is probably like, <laughs> I'll scan for technology. Ah, yes, the ginormous yes. <laughs> hit I'm getting off this city. I think I'll go there. Um, and then uh, other instances where you know people have coordinates, you know, like Anakin Padme going to rescue Obi Wan on Geonosis, like uh, they're probably reading they're his there. coordinates, yeah. right? Um, yeah. Uh, ton of times people are going to a known location right like Han going to Maz Kanata's is like yeah I know where I'm going. <laughs> where going yeah yeah you know so I feel like for a lot of them it's it is either scanning life forms tracking coordinates that you have or maybe using using the force so for me that's that's where most of the answers are
3: yeah, look, I, yeah, I think that's great stuff that we don't need to see. Like I always say, you know, I don't need in Game of Thrones to see Jon Snow and Davos on a ship for three weeks going to Dragonstone. I don't need to see that. I just got to know they get there. So I think maybe that's some 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 of the stuff going on here where, where Han's like, yeah, we punched it in and the uh, L3 and the Falcon computer gave us the Google map uh, directions right to the front door here. <laughs> it's like when I uh, get to a new city for comedy and I type the word donuts on my map and the donut shops pop up. Now I know where to go, even though I've never been in the city. So I think it's something like that, but it's always fun. I love this stuff. I love these kind of questions. It's not something that gets you hung up, but it's definitely those, uh, it's the bar and playground conversations we have had our whole life of like, how did he know? How did he land right where he needed to be? And I think when you look, there might always be an answer for you.
2: Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely uh, some, some headcanon. I think the last thing for me, you you brought up Mando and I was thinking about Mando a lot is, you know, there is this, this tension between logic versus story flow that I think is going to happen in almost any story. And I know, you know, a a lot of viewers really want logical answers. You know, they get distracted if there isn't, Um, but that's always comes at a cost, right? Yeah. You can you can have a story where that's the storytelling style is every little uh beat, every small detail is a part of the story. Like that's the storytelling style of, say, Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. That but that's mm-hmm. that's what they want to do, and that's what shapes the way that show moves, right? Mm-hmm. Uh but then you look at something like like the you know, the Mandalorian and like do we want a line of dialogue where Din Djarin says to himself how he found Luke and Grogu on <laughs> Ossus as we now know the planet's name is? Yeah. Did we want a bunch of scenes where he lands on different planets calling in favors, going on mini quests <laughs> <laughs> to get directions? Like, yeah. is that is that something like we as an audience, do we, do we want that? Uh, does that right. fit in the style of this show? Uh, do we want a montage of him landing Different. Once he finds out, Osis is the planet. Do we want a montage of him landing the wrong place?
3: Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) Uh, and I think
2: for me, like I'm kind of having a sense of humor about it. And I know a lot of times people's perspective is like, I I want it to logically make sense, and I really get that. But to me, it's about style, and it's about the point of storytelling. Of if I were going to watch Din figure out how to find Luke and Grogu, I would want to be learning something about Din in the process. And yep. I would want to be asking: Is this driving the story forward? Is it creating tension? Is it supporting the themes? If the episode was about Din feeling lost and, and unconnected, and he can't find them, well, then then great, then we can yep. do it. You know. Mm. So I, I think for me, I just it's it's okay. I'm really hyper aware of those moments where like, yeah, maybe maybe we the audience could know more, but what would we lose by getting that information?
3: No, it's a great way to look at it. And uh, I want to also shout out Peli Moto for being one of the only people in Star Wars to pull out a map and say, here's where you need to go. <laughs> so also and
2: also out. for having a fixed address. It's easy to find <laughs> Peli. She's she's going to be at her shop, right?
3: Well, absolutely. Love it.
2: Oh, uh, well, Thank you very much, uh, R2-D2 Plane Base, uh, for the fun question. I'm going to spend the rest of my day looking for Tonys in Los Angeles,
3: and I think I'm going to have a lot of fun. Any other thoughts before we move on, Ken? No, no, we have found the answer rather uh, nicely and smoothly. Just landed on the answer spot. (laughs) Excellent.
2: Our next question comes from Brett Burns. Uh, Brett says, do you think a Jedi could be presented with a different colored kyber crystal at different points in their life? For example, if a Padawan were presented with a blue crystal during their first gathering and then returned as a veteran master, could a green crystal present itself, assuming the colors aren't random and based on the individual and their relationship with the Force? This is a very fun question. Uh, I'll start with the big picture answer of, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. I think in modern storytelling, uh, the crystals are uh, presented as colorless when chosen. Um, I, I rewatched a couple minutes of the Gathering episode in Season 5 of The Clone Wars, and yeah, those, when, the, when the kids are finding their, those crystals, they are just beaming, glowing, bright light uh and then when they uh actually uh you know merge with the kids they make their lightsabers that's when the colors emerge so Ken, where do you go with this
3: I, well i really dig the thought behind this the, this idea that your kyber crystal could reflect your own growth as a as a person right mm-hmm. um and you're right at the beginning it, it's it's maybe clear um we know with the bleeding the blade on the cis side we we've seen uh, a soka kind of un unbleed uh, the blade and then have the clear uh saber and everything like that uh we ray with the yellow so i love i love what you're saying too about it it, it is a, I think an extension of, of their relationship with the force and who they are as an individual but that just makes me excited about this possible idea that uh you know we have uh we know the symbolism and the purpose of the of the gathering can we have something called the changing uh you go back a little later and you would expect the padawans would grow and and new parts are life now i will say this uh, before i kick, kick it back to you uh, perhaps there might be a quick counter of hey jedi to be Steadfast, true the tenets of the order. But then I I just asked myself that question. Then I thought, well, I don't know if the crystals care about that, right? The crystals aren't in the Jedi Order. And then what we spent a lot of time with the prequels learning is, I don't know, maybe the Jedi should have changed and grown a little bit there. Maybe the cores need to be the same. Who they are needs to be the same. But how they go about things might need to change. So all, all saying, give me the changing. I'm good with this idea.
2: Oh, I love, uh, I love that, that name. And probably with Jedi philosophy, with the ability to evolve, I would imagine an older Jedi going back to uh, Ilum because they lost their blade or because they feel something changed in themselves or maybe they even yeah. gifted their saber to somebody else because it was the right thing to do, whatever reason. I would imagine it is something uh, healthy and forward-moving, like the gathering and then the changing is your... Uh, mm. uh, describing it Uh, but i'm kind of fascinated like is it also just like is there any part of it that's a little bit of a walk of shame (laughs) like you know uh, obi-wan and anakin get back uh from the first battle of geonosis and they're like uh these great jedi they gotta go they gotta go back they lost their blades like uh
3: uh, are are you taking the second gathering (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah yeah i love that uh gosh yeah it makes me think of like oddly enough john c riley's character in magnolia where he loses his gun as a police officer and it's it, it's this whole plot point there so yeah he needs a change he needs to get the new blade and, yeah and obi-wan him. yeah obi-wan losing an attack of clones has got to go back then he's like kind of like ah man now it's like fuchsia that wasn't i was i was blue before what do you fight i back? mean that's a, yeah
2: he he loses it in phantom menace uh i mm-hmm. i uh, I we have never got the full canonical how he gets his his final, uh, you know, great blade uh, right. in between Attack the Clones and Revenge of the right. Sith, to right. my knowledge, in modern canon. Uh, but yeah, he's he's made a couple trips.
3: <laughs> yeah.
2: And he's stayed exactly. true blue, which I really, really like. I think that makes <laughs> sense uh, for uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi. I, mm. I don't remember where it is, but there is a reference to Ahsoka, you know, making a thoughtful, uh, you know, Kind of like what you're you're talking about Mm. the the changing where she decides she wants that other blade to complement she wants two blades
3: and has to go back Mm. you know Mm. yeah right yeah 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 and I would love to get more of that there and yeah yeah and I don't know uh, yeah in terms of the Jedi needing to change and 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 grow I say that with 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 uh, caution and trying to be careful of yeah we don't want the Jedi to yeah, Dooku changed quite a bit. Uh, you know, That's what I'm suggesting, but I, I just like the idea. I think that's something Qui-Gon would be. Like, he would push for it. Like, well, I think we need to go back. You know, when you graduate, you're not the same, as, uh, graduate high school as the person you are when you're 40. Like, we all maybe need to go back every now and then and see what's there for us. Yeah, no,
2: absolutely. And I think one of the other uh, in-canon stories that I like uh, that really, I think, reflects uh, what Brett is is asking about and talking about is... Yeah, they, they do change uh, throughout your life, right? Maybe in subtle ways. I love in Clone Wars uh, Season 7 that Anakin makes those adjustments to Ahsoka's blade and it turns them from green to blue, uh, which yeah. obviously caused some, uh, some canon consternation <laughs> with the Ahsoka yeah. book. But I love that as a storytelling moment that Anakin means well But he's even in his kindness, he's being controlling. He's there's in the whatever way he adjusted the lightsabers to make them even better, he somehow (laughs) imprinted his own personality perspective, you know,
3: on Ahsoka. It's like going in for a haircut and they, that's not what I wanted, but it's what I have. Oh boy. <laughs> oh boy. Hey, uh, uh, give Ahsoka the Anakin. Give
2: her the Anakin. <laughs> give her the Anakin, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 This opened up to me. We were talking having some fun with the planets of uh, of mm-hmm. headcanon for things that are maybe just like uh, that that's the convenience of storytelling. That's the power of narrative. Uh I almost like this headcanon that even the skywalker blade. Uh, maybe the Skywalker blade is having different moods at different times, different users, different mm-hmm. eras, and that's why it's kind of a a different hue of blue
3: at different yeah. points in the story. Ooh, I like that. See, yeah, we got, we're onto something here, Brett. You're onto something.
2: I I got to do a huge uh, Twitter thread now about what it means when the Skywalker blade <laughs> is really bright blue. What it means when it cho- chooses to have a pointier tip. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. There were a couple of years of my life where I'd have an angry pointy tip on my blade. You know, <laughs> that's why we change. Um,
2: yeah. Imagine you go all the way back to Ilum and the only thing that changes is you, you get a slightly pointier tip. <laughs> you wear a T-shirt. I went to Elam and all I got was this pointy tip. <laughs> uh, there you go. Uh, well, great question. I think the simple answer, Brett, is in our opinion, yeah, we definitely think. Uh, the color and the overall uh, everything of the lightsaber could possibly change as Jedi grow and their relationship to the Force grows. Any final thoughts on that
3: one, Ken? No, no. And then we've created something that I want to see, so, so let's, let's get it going there. The changing. The changing. So, there you go. Uh, yeah, I hope that's the
2: whole second season of the Tales of the Jedi uh, shorts of <laughs> yeah. all of the adult Jedi who went back to Ilum one more time. Yeah. With that, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back with our questions from our patrons on Patreon.
0: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.
3: And we
2: are back to continue attempting to answer cues of the force. Our next question comes from a patron on Patreon and a Star Wars thinker, podcaster, tweeter, discusser, our friend Alden Diaz. Alden says, hey friends, hope all is well in your corner of the galaxy. Let's get heady and weird, shall we? Uh, I often find myself pondering the mystical and unexplained elements of the Star Wars mythos. Things like the Bendu, Mortis, the Wellspring of Life, Force Priestesses, Nameless Beasts, and Chosen One Virgin Births. All that jazz. Since the Dagobah Cave, Star Wars has explored the eldritch, magical, and metaphysical material with so much confidence. So how does that particular aspect resonate with you? Also, I'm curious, which of these creations sticks with you the most? Is there one that you find yourself fixating on or wanting to revisit? Side note, if they do indeed make an Obi-Wan season two, I'm hoping for these kinds of layers and mm. concepts. All right. Alden's mm-hmm. asking a bunch of great questions within this. Uh, I'll start uh, by addressing the final side note. Uh, big agree. <laughs> yeah. I definitely agree on that, Obi-Wan Hope. If if the there is a second season and if that second season is his journey with Qui-Gon to learn to become sentient, uh, retain his sentience as he becomes one with the Force, I'd really love it to go to bizarre and ethereal and uh, yeah. metaphorical uh, spaces in that journey. Just like we saw Yoda go to some real physical places, uh, but also go to some of these sort of uh, not quite knowable, not entirely knowable realms of the Force. I would love that. I think that would be some great uh, variety and be really great to bring uh, uh, some of the more weirdness that we've seen in uh, in animation and in uh, books and bring that into Big live action would be awesome. Uh, Ken, what are your thoughts specifically about that? Do you want to see Obi-Wan go on a trippy trip?
3: <laughs> I, I really do. And I really think that's what the part of the story, at least, would you know, need like, to make that work. I mean, if he's going to go train with his uh, Force Ghost mentor, like you, you got to imagine it's going to be a little different, right? Uh, and, and, and the challenge of doing what you're saying is to bring it from animation and books, which it could be just a little bit easier to get that stuff over in people's mm, minds yeah. to to accept it and that that's even part of what we might be discussing in, in this entire question here but um yeah i i absolutely i don't i don't want to say it needs to have it but you know what i mean like it just would make yeah. a lot of sense it would be
2: really really cool and i think it would be i loved the first season of obi-wan and there's a part of what i loved about it was oh, wow, it just, this just feels like season 3.5 or, you know, uh, chapter 3.5 mm-hmm. of, of the Skywalker saga. Uh, so to see it kind of take that next step and venture into these bizarre realms would be so cool. Uh, let's get into some of Alden's other questions. Ken, for you, how much does the, uh, the Eldritch, the magical, the metaphysical, the weird side of these spaces and creatures, how much does that resonate with you?
3: Well, first I got to say, come on, Alden. Could you just ask me like what my favorite colored Y-wing is? Like, you, you got a <laughs> you, red, by the way. I had controversial take. I like the red ones more than the, even the classic yellow. Uh, no, I, I do love this stuff, and my appreciation for the, the what I'm calling, you know, the magical Star Wars moments has absolutely grown, grown uh, on me. Because look, I got to be like, I, I've mentioned this a few times. Like, you guys don't understand how much of a scaredy cat kid I was. Like, my mom just <laughs> trained me to be afraid of everything. The Dagobah cave kind of scared me a little. Um, mostly that lizard groaning when he walks in that, whatever that, like that that was freaking me out um it really just, is
2: like you're not wanted here right <laughs> you're
3: not wanted here and i'm okay i like lizards and iguanas snakes not so much um i totally didn't understand it was a vision until i was about 10 like true story right i was like why did vader meet him there that was a weird spot how did vader get there was it I, it was dagobah small planet and vader just found it right away um no one life. no i didn't have uh, you know me and little, little joseph weren't friends yet so he didn't explain <laughs> it to me on the playground um so i didn't fully engage with it um and that pushed me towards things I could understand ad at stomping through the snow and rebels fighting back. Right. So I just kind of grew up with that, but I love these moments now, uh, really reminds me of the spiritual nature of star Wars. I always say one of the reasons I love rise of Skywalker is it's, it's like uh, going to a star Wars church. It's very spiritual. And, um, you know, even the scene, the, the memory scene with, uh, uh, Kylo uh, Ben and his father is I, I put it in this kind of category of mm. what is real and what is imagined you know what is there what are you see what are you experiencing through Kylo's brain really and and I'm so moved by it and I think um through this uh, through these type of scenes it, it just I, I see it as how important real questions get asked of us through fantastical bursts, bursts of fantasy mm. and they force me to kind of pull back from the details and pull back from the ad at stomping in the snow and see what is there for me you know, just see what is what Star Wars is asking me and, and reminding me, hey, it's 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 fantasy even more than sci fi, as I always uh, say. And a lot of a lot of people say I'm not alone in that. Um, and it just forces me to pull back and go, whoa, what what is this series? What is this show? What, what is this movie asking me to ponder?
2: Yeah, no, I really, really like that approach to it. Uh, you have the great phrase um, emotional canon, right, where we mm-hmm. can mm-hmm. talk about what happened on on what date and how, how do the ad ats actually function and uh, mm-hmm. or at 80s actually function, all that kind of stuff uh, where we can kind of get into the details and all of this uh, ethereal, magical, fantasy, otherworldly stuff really invites us to focus on the emotional canon of, uh, you know, what the Dagobah cave is, you know, how many hit points the Dagobah cave has can only be partially understood. Mm -hmm. So it invites you to kind of turn off uh, the, the targeting computer part of your brain and focus on the soul of the scene and focus on what is Luke facing in there and why, and how does that affect him? Uh, I think that's a really, really great way to look at these kinds of scenes and moments and characters.
3: Yeah. Yeah, it just it's all look. It's all fun to ponder. Like the Bendu is great, but I could totally be like, "What was that thing?" The world between worlds brings logical questions to my mind. Like, I, it's there? okay. There's a doorway to get to. Where does it exist? Do they have a Starbucks there? I don't know. Force priestesses are they real? Are they former Jedi? Are they former anything? How much imagine? All fun to ponder, but it really is that big. Why not how? And, and I love it. It just it forces me to really push push my brain to that way to that doorway, yeah in that direction yeah. And I think,
2: I think for me, like the, I, I loved all elements of Star Wars. You know, I, I wanted a lightsaber, I wanted an X wing. You know, all all these uh, kind of things. I, you know, loved learning the names of the aliens in the cantina as I got older and all mm-hmm. that stuff. There's so many elements of Star Wars that I love, but I think the thing that made me return to it and made it go deeper than the surface is this stuff. Um, uh, I was trying to think of. Alden throws out a, it just a, a, a virtual thesaurus of great words uh, mm. for this. And I was trying to think of like, what's the one word that I would describe what this means, these kind of characters and scenes means to me. And I thought of the word transcendent. Mm. Um, mm. The, the the dictionary definition of transcendent is beyond or above the range of normal or merely physical human experience. <laughs> mm. uh, so like the transcendent, the spiritual side, this sense that, there is something bigger out there that we're all connected uh, that um, my instincts come from somewhere. I've talked a a lot about the, uh, how kind of early understanding and a a deeper appreciation of star Wars came from artistic things like learning to drum where it is. Like Mm -hmm. I, I have the technical side. My dad told me what the counts are and he, he, you know, (laughs) and on what beat I should hit what part of the drum set. Uh, But he, he couldn't, tell me how to feel the music I just did that you know yeah out yeah. of instinct out of being a human out of having a transcendent moment a spiritual moment you know mm-hmm. and that then also transfers to, to all sorts of things I've done from art to uh comedy and I know you've had those experiences too mm-hmm. so that it's there's something that about it that's reassuring right that there's just yeah. like those things that we sense that we can't entirely put a name to are real and they matter um Mm, so it has this yeah. kind of deep personal meaning to me uh, in in my own life. Um, and then in the story of Star Wars, I, I, I like encountering them because I think the Force should be not entirely knowable, right? Yeah. So seeing these transcendent characters in places are a way to physically explore the idea that the Force is not entirely knowable, that it can be encountered and explained and experienced up to a point but there's always more to be explored. Anything is possible. You can walk into the world between worlds and understand mm. its potential and possibility up to a point. You can put some nouns to it, but you don't yeah. entirely know it. In the next temple you come across, is going to be something entirely different that you can only partially know. That's yeah. so intriguing to me, and it's so exciting, that idea that anything is possible and some things can't
3: totally be known. Well, you know what? Oddly enough, I think it ties a little bit back to the Kyber crystals and this idea of of, uh, Star Wars reminding you the the, the need for for change, the constant need to change, grow and discover. And your journey is uh, already begun before you even know, but it's also never really over. And if you let go, you could still move forward on the path. And then you have these crazy, wonderful characters or locations that just are like, forget what you thought you knew about this story, this movie and just these characters in the story. Forget what they know there's something new for you to discover. I think that's a great way to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, like, you can, fi- you can figure out some amount of, of
2: logic to some of these, you mm-hmm. know, uh, characters and places, but they still have that wonderful spirit of, but there's always more to know. The mystery will never be fully solved, which I love you, uh, attaching to the idea of, uh, us as humans evolving. We're just, we're always discovering. We're always, you know, continuing to build who we are. And yeah. I think, uh, I, I, f- I find that in forest priestesses and nameless beasts yeah yeah uh let's uh so alden also asks which of these uh particular transcendent ethereal characters and places resonate with us which do you find yourself uh thinking about
3: and, and wanting to know more mm-hmm. about look uh, dagobah is a hall of famer and, and I, I don't think we want to overlook that at all mm-hmm. and and especially We talk about just, uh, you know, for the sequel of of perhaps, you know, the biggest movie of all time, and they they do a sequel, and and that's never, you know, more American graffiti. You can do it wrong, George reminds a lot of people there. You can do do these things wrong. Not only is it, hey, the entire uh, success of that movie hinges on the the good guys maybe getting their butts kicked for a lot of the movie and losing Dark Tones, the second act. Oh, by the way, we're going to have a Muppet as the main character, one of the (laughs) key characters. But also... You have the forces presented a new hope as that yeah, it's this mystical thing. It's this voice in your head and it's a it's a concept. And then you suddenly go to this cave in the darkness and there's a vision and this uh, little green uh, Muppets teaching these weird lessons. That's a big leap. It's a big leap in my mind. New I United love
2: Empire. what you're saying. You know, you and I have both talked about how like the actual novelization of Star Wars says like from the adventures of Luke Skywalker, right? Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. that idea that Luke Skywalker has endless adventures and you finish watching Star Wars and like, oh, he used the force and he destroyed the Death Star and he got a medal and he's a hero. And what is his next adventure going to be? He's going to have a real bad dream under a tree.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah
2: it is. It It is absolutely leaning into the mythic leading into yeah. this isn't just about power fantasy this is about growing and yeah. changing and learning yeah yeah
3: yeah so so yeah absolutely Dagobah's a hall of famer uh, as Alden even pointed out It kind of which will launch it but I I beyond that I I gotta tell you I I've always been just fascinated bet- with the world between worlds I go back to that a lot I I called it one of my favorite episodes on the old collider review show at the time and again I'm someone who like I want to see the rebel Alliance shooting blasters at, at walkers. Like I let's that's going back to the early days, what I love and even the politics around that. I'm still drawn in by that a lot, but that world between worlds, just was this mythical lesson in letting go and, and know what you can change, knowing what you can't, how the dark side wants to control that. Um, I was reading even some stuff from Henry Gilroy saying, like the Dagobah cave, it is about what you bring into it and that people might experience different things or see different things, obviously based on their lives and their experiences and what you know, maybe the dark side could be offering them or what the light side's hoping they choose. It, it, so I go back to it a lot. And the added bonus is Ezra's in a biker scout outfit when he goes in there. (laughs) So I get it all. I get some pew, pew, pew. Biker scouts are one of my favorites and just some mythical, magical stuff that I couldn't believe. You know, when when, when the big questions of uh, Ahsoka lives, question mark T-shirts that Dave was wearing, all that stuff. And then the drawings he was kind of teasing and leaking out. I wouldn't have thought this, right? This Mm -hmm. was not an answer I would have come up with. Thank God. It was something totally different, totally uh, mesmerizing and uh, something that totally uh, teaches valuable lessons. It's star Wars in a nutshell. And I I don't leave the world between worlds often in my mind. I I think about it a lot when I'm talking about star Wars. Yeah. I think
2: the world between worlds is, is just such a great big swing because it does feel very bizarre and very different. But then you dive into that, uh, the emotional story and, and, if you just look at world between worlds is it so it's a place that you walk into and all of the large events of your own life, uh, the events that are connected to you and you're kind of aware of, but are, you're maybe not exactly aware that this hap This is a generational memory that affects you. Uh, all of your memories are are you know swirling around and you're pulled by the desire to fix something and you're pulled towards wanting to know something more about this and uh seeing all of these visions it could be a gift where you where you learn and you grow or it could be something that drags you down like when you think about it that way like yeah, the world between worlds is Tuesday for me. You know, yeah, like yeah. just think yeah. about all the important moments in my life, and which do I, which do I pine to fix, and which do I pine to go back to, and w- what other visions that aren't mine uh, do I are are really connected to my life, and I pine for, and all those things are like, on on one hand, it's the weirdest thing in Star Wars, on the other, it's yeah. the most natural, normal thing. It's what people do on the bus, <laughs> yeah, yeah, in their own minds, you know.
3: Mm. World between worlds, the public transportation of Star Wars. is what we're
2: saying. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I, I kind of love it for being those extremes. I also just, I, I want Star Wars to take those swings. We've had a lot of really great storytelling about uh, people collecting all the ancient artifacts of the mm-hmm. Jedi and the Sith and uh, kind of implications of what they do. And like, I, I'd like it to go beyond implications to like, please show me 18 more weird Jedi temples that do weird things that can be used for good or ill you know
3: yeah yeah i mean we're gonna be talking uh, well actually by the time this episode comes out um i can't remember we're talking about just right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but there's some like there's some chapters where i'm like this is some high fantasy stuff going on and i love it yeah yeah
2: exactly exactly um i also really like the force priestesses um they, yeah, the, yeah. the the there is more that you can kind of track down about them from what they say and from interviews. Yeah. Um, I like the idea of these just these kind of masks that represent uh, all these emotions. Uh, there's the the implication that they're one being split into emotions, which mm-hmm. is so fascinating to me because it is like, well, the battle goes on, <laughs> yeah. even in this being that uh, learned to preserve themselves within the force. They're still uh, having, you know the the positive hopeful one still has to deal with <laughs> being <Yeah>. negged <laughs> yeah. Yeah. by yeah. the, you know, negative masks uh, that, yeah. <laughs> that that's strangely reassuring.
3: Yes. Yeah. Nah, I love the force priestesses. I, I think I, I really was kind of in, in, enthralled by them early on, but just on, on our Clone Wars rewatch, just how valuable those episodes are to the overall star Wars story, just our lives and how star Wars can inspire you and teach you again and again, and again, those episodes are solid. And I love you Yeah. Yeah.
2: Any other uh, ones that you wanted to speak on?
3: Uh, no, all, all around a good list. Uh, I, you know, the Bendu was fascinating to me too, because, you know, it first pops up, you're like, Oh, I get that reference. I get that. I know where the Bendu comes from and what George wanted to do. And so, Hey, yay. But then beyond that, it, it, it too, is just something of just like, I'm like, how, how real was the Bendu? He was very real, but was he not? I mean, he takes actions with Thrawn. It's just, it was um, again, not something I would expect after that first season right and 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 to get to where we uh got with that show on a lot of levels world between worlds and bendu it's uh i'm fascinated by that kind of stuff too and just wonder i don't know when you know clearly live action is some of it from dagobah on i i you know rise of skywalker again comes to mind uh the ray's uh, cave experience in the last jedi uh mm-hmm. her visions let's I, I think even at the end of rise of skywalker we get to experience the voices with her and everything that's that's something that might be considered a little out there We've seen it live action, but I really am waiting for the, the that that glass ceiling to be shattered on weirdness in live action. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, George was like, hey, I was going to try with my versions. You all probably would have hated it. But uh, my seven, eight, nine was going to be on a, a micro level or whatever he said, microbiotic level. Um, so anyways, yeah, I'm, I'm wondering. And, and the Mando is one of the things where I'm like, it could that could have very well have been in, in Mando season two, if you know, could be through season three. Right. Yeah. I mean,
2: George Lucas says Star Wars Episode eight, meet the clorians right? Like that <laughs> could have been some some wild stuff. Bendu is one of the top reasons that I, I really want to find time to to rewatch Rebels. Obviously, mm-hmm. Tom Baker is very close to my heart, does an amazing job with the voice acting. Um now, I want to rewatch the Bendu story a little bit more compressed, but I do just like the general idea that even a cosmic being that claims to be in the middle eventually realizes <laughs> they need to take action. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Get off the fence, Bendu. Yes. yes. Um, yeah, like, yeah, and I, I don't claim to remember all the ins and outs of the Bendu, but I, I want to revisit that. The final one for me is, uh, uh, um, I'll name check them, the Nameless Beasts of the the High Republic Um is I think yeah. what is their their sort of name that is being used on uh, Wikipedia has, has settled into. Uh, we see them and have a couple different names for them. that. Uh, to me, though, they're a great example of something that I was like, ooh, I'm really curious where they're going with this. Um, they're a great example of the transcendent just telling the emotional story, right? That yeah. these are beasts that literally force the Jedi to face absolute fear and nihilism what if <laughs> mm-hmm. what if there is no light what if uh everything is pointless right they're they're creatures who f- face make the jedi face their worst fear
3: yeah Ooh, yeah yeah, yeah. And, and and definitely you know because they first kind of technically showed up in dooku jedi lost right that that's what's kind of the idea we got going on there
2: yeah uh, yeah i think
3: they're referenced yeah yeah and i just remember kind of uh, going on i don't know what's going on but then the use of the high republic has just been wonderful
2: yeah absolutely central to the storytelling and some great weirdness uh any final thoughts on that question ken
3: uh no i'm just i i i'm curious once once we really go for it in live action i can't wait to see the discourse on that one i really can't i really can't it's it's a different ball game when you try to say it's uh quote-unquote real what you're watching versus animation that's not a slot of animation Love Rebels. Love stuff. I don't know if you can get away with uh, Mortis, A World Between Worlds, and live action yet. Yet. But we'll see.
2: I think you can,
3: and I think you should.
2: Mortis and A World Between Worlds, like, they, they, they mm. look cool, right? The design is cool. Yeah. I want it to go even weirdo. I want to see... I want, uh, you know... Part two of season two of Obi-Wan Kenobi is Ewan McGregor has to climb into the mouth of the Bendu in order to be swallowed by the force beast. Like, I want, let's go weird. Let's go
3: weird. With Qui-Gon just going,
2: get in there. You got to do this. Get in there. (laughs) There's always a bigger Bendu. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. Thanks, Alden, uh, for taking us some fun places. We are going to go to our final question from Justin Jacobson. Justin says, have any characters other than Thrawn started in the books and appeared in the television shows? Which ones would you expect or like to be next to get their big or small screen debut? Uh, This is a great question. Um, Obviously, just for the kind of straightforward who's shown up, uh, Cobb Vanth is one of the big ones, right? In Mandalorian. Came from the aftermath books. Uh, we had an Obi Wan Kenobi, a uh, little kid Corin Horn, who and his mom, who are uh, very big in the Legends EU continuity, not books, but uh, uh, Black Chrysanthemum, uh mm-hmm. is a comics character. Um, obviously, uh, Holdo was all is from the Last Jedi and was always <laughs> intended to be in the Last Jedi. But uh, if you yeah. read. Princess Leia of Alderaan, it came up before the movie. So in a way, we saw Holdo in a book before we yep. saw her in a movie. Those yes. are the couple of big ones that jumped to my mind. How about
3: you, Ken? Uh, yeah, you mentioned uh, Cobb Vanth. Actually, I, so I I can't believe I love Black or and I kind of forgot. Yeah, but comic book counts there in that, in that mind, in uh, my mind. Uh, Rook was another one, too. Talk about Ooh. Thrawn. Talk about his uh, his assistant with Warwick Davis voicing him in, in Rebels coming from the, the Zon books. Uh, yeah, I, you know, it's funny. I didn't do a re I didn't do like research did not go to Wikipedia or Google this. I literally just stood in front of my bookshelf this morning and was like, do I remember any of these names? <laughs> I, popped <laughs> up. I popped up and those, those are some of the big ones at least.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So let's then go on to uh, the second part of Justin's question of characters that you would expect or like from the books to show up in a uh, small screen live action Star Wars.
3: Yeah, I think it's time for me to renew my uh, the movement for live action Ray Sloane uh, campaign. Which mm. I've I've taken my foot off the gas on that over the years. That used to be all I said for a long time <laughs> on many shows, uh, even other shows that have nothing to do with Star Wars. I just love that character introduced in a new dawn as a captain and uh, brought back in uh, you know such a wonderful way in uh, Chuck Wendig's aftermath series, appeared in comics, video game appearance, of course, in Star Wars squadrons. Um, and just a key character for that time that we don't know uh, much about yet don't know the end, don't know what happened when she got out to the unknown regions uh, we know something did and just something interesting but it, she can uh, cross into multiple eras for me during that time mm. frame obviously you, you could take it back a ways, um, interesting story someone who is associated with the villains, the, the bad team but also has just a, a big heart and a big, uh, some experiences that led her certain ways but also starts to change, starts to adapt and and uh doesn't want to serve anyone else wants to serve herself but in a in a non not a selfish way and from my point of view just like uh uh you know being true to herself i think there's a lot to that character um so i'm hopeful i'm hopeful some other one's that pop to mind real quick uh, viborati is another one that i would say i'd mm. uh, love to see her um go more than just uh two on galaxy's edge that's uh exciting as well going to the comics i think there's the two big ones one of them is huge and, and i even saw some um people asking hey when when is this ever going to happen and that's dr afra mm-hmm. and i'll say with her saint of staros uh who are wonderful in the series came from the the comics um i, I definitely think it's time i, I just I'm, I'm starting to look across the landscape of potential shows joseph and i just don't know when if when for any of these characters uh which bums me out a little bit But i think it can still happen but uh that's why i think ray sloan might be the most likely for me
2: yeah, I mean, I think that there is uh, you know, a definite possibility in the next couple of years that uh, there's going to be a need, need for elbow room to go into the, the post-sequel era, and it would be mm-hmm. great to see uh, Vimerati in particular show up there, I think. Yeah, um, yeah. I think for me in the books, this is something that I've, a, I've answered a, a lot of time, and I realized when I, when I looked at a lot of these characters, I feel like there's this really rich time uh, kind of in the Mandoverse era, honestly mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, about characters that we've kind of met who, who have ha- had traveled through the end of the galactic civil war, uh, you know, it, like yeah. Ray Sloan and it is, is set up to go on this great adventure. She's launched out there with what is the beginnings of, of what becomes, uh, the first order. So, uh, she's not in charge in sequels. Yeah. <laughs> she's got a ready-made adventure. Uh, one of the characters that's in the aftermath books who I just really love, uh, Wrath Veles, uh, yeah. very, very, um, uh g rough and tumble <laughs> yeah uh a gritty character uh who was just a, a sort of a dark imperial enforcer selfish up for himself right uh but then uh ha- has a change of heart and ends the books uh working directly with mon mothma um mm-hmm. uh, he's a, a gay man and so there's lots of interesting things to explore uh with this character right and yeah. to have you know, i can see him popping up in Mandoverse where like, okay, we're trying to take back Mandalore and eventually we need to talk to the new Republic and who is Mothma's representative? Singer. You know, like
3: <laughs> yes. It,
2: it, yeah. Fascinating. Um same thing with Alphabet Squadron, since that that whole book series is really dealing with the time after mm-hmm. uh, in between Endor and, and Jakku. And it, and it ends with kind of telling us where these characters go, but almost any of those characters, uh, main character yeah. pilots could show up. Um, I'm mm-hmm. partial to Wild Lark. Uh, and then uh, uh, we'll, we'll talk about the more obviously in the, our shadow of the Sith review, but the, the acolytes of the beyond um, we got a little bit more what clarity that- on who they are and they'd be fun to pop up in Mandoverse. Mm-hmm. Um shriv is from a video game but also books uh shriv is just yeah. a, a champ in that era so there's just so many people in that timeline
3: yeah no yeah no it, it's uh fertile ground for for sure yeah and i and i, I, I for, like with ray sloan i was even thinking ahsoka series you know you know mm-hmm. if it goes anywhere out in the unknown regions and all of a sudden bumps into some uh is that a is that a superstar destroyer? <laughs> yes <laughs> hey that's palpatine so yeah there's a lot of potential i don't I'll say that at times I don't hold out hope for it. I don't mean that to be too cynical or negative. It just, uh, um, you know, when I first was like uh, pounding the drum for Ray Sloan to show up, uh, that was three, four or five years ago now. Um, mm-hmm. And so many other characters have shown up and everything. But I still think there's so much room at the table for these characters we're talking about here.
2: Yeah. and I And I think for me, it really has felt like, oh, what story are we trying to tell? What character do we need? does that character already exist or would they logically be there? You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that's how we got Cobb Vanth in black chrysanthemum, you know? So yeah. I, I'm hoping for more moments like that where it's organic, where, okay, well, uh, if Ahsoka is going to run into the uh, baby first order, who's in command? Well, it might be Ray Sloan, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's really great. Uh, I got two more thoughts. Uh, one is, uh, Hass Obit from catalyst. Oh yeah. Uh, he is a Drazilian like uh, Ori Marco um and he had a large role in the in the book um really helping the Urso's escape so i'd be happy to see him pop up again i remember really liking him uh mm. and then for my final thought ken i'm going to choose chaos <laughs> ooh, ooh. i would like to see Mara J., Uh that it would oh it, it,
3: wow okay sir it, yeah
2: Right. It's throwing a thermal detonator (laughs) into the discussion space uh, because I don't think that I would want to see the character with the exact backstory that she had in the EU. Um, Right. And much has changed around that. uh, So I'd be fascinated to see how they adapted the character. And I think some people would be thrilled to see Marjade. And I think some people would be not thrilled to have her story uh, adjusted in any way, (laughs) shape or form.
3: Well, that's the key because it would have to be adjusted. Right. And, and, um, I get it. I get it. I, I, I'm, I, I wouldn't call myself the world's, you know, I wouldn't call myself a Mara Jade fan at times, but at times I get it. And again, I've always said love with that character represented for so many people, especially young women during that time where you had Leia, Baru, Othma, you didn't have a lot of choices. And Mara Jade shows up in the 90s and is an inspiration for, for a lot of folks, a lot of folks. Um, so I really do love the character from that point of view, but it would have to be reworked. And uh, that's a fun challenge. That's a fun <laughs> challenge. There's clearly, you know, that era, there's Adam Christopher had a deep cut reference to Zon stuff in Shadow mm-hmm. of the Sith. Uh, there's fans. So someone's either trying, has tried or will try to make someone like Mara Jade happen. Yeah. Or talent Card, yeah. too oh yeah oh so many
2: it would be fascinating mm-hmm. anyway that's our that's our clickbait for this episode uh, should mara <laughs> jade return uh, i'm fascinated by the character and be uh, in all sincerity i think she's a really interesting important character and be interested to see uh her she will always be the character she is in those novels in those stories right and so yeah. it'd be fun to see a different take on her as well
3: yeah absolutely all right any final thoughts no, look, it's, uh, you get you get you get us talking about this, Justin. There's a lot of answers out there, and I think that's a testament to the wonderful uh, world that sprung up from uh, uh, you know 2012, but 2014 on with New Dawn and Rebels and everything. A lot of new characters. A lot of people love to celebrate and want to see make that big jump to live action.
2: Yeah, exactly. All right, we are going to our final segment, Power of the Light Side. If you are a patron on Patreon, we have put up a post calling for these entries, uh, which are just asking people to share something positive about star wars uh something that you really enjoy or love or something that has been meaningful or helpful to you to uh, counteract some of the negativity that can be out there we want to shine a light on the light side itself and this week we have a, a very thoughtful entry from adam knight ken are you ready for this i am ready here's what adam has to say given the things happening in my life right now it's probably not surprising this is what's on my mind Sometime in the winter of 1983, my dad surprised me one evening and said, we're going to go to the movies. Well, I'd certainly watched movies with dad beforehand. Usually whatever happened to be playing on one of the five channels available to us over the Winnipeg Airwave rebroadcasts. This was a special thing. We were going out to the theaters, a special trip, just me and my dad to the locally famous Metropolitan Theater in the heart of downtown Turns out, spoiler alert, it was a double feature of Star Wars and The Empire Strikes Back. Watching on the big screen the adventures, the fun, the fear, and the tragedy of those first two life-changing movies not only left an indelible mark on the way I look at the world, but created a real bond between myself and my dad. It's not an uncommon thing for sons to have trouble connecting with their parents, clearly. My father's upbringing was rougher than mine from a different era, and while he always treated me fairly and with love, I often grew up feeling like he and I were different. Uh, that we were interested in different things and didn't have very much in common. Turns out, naturally, that as I gained life experience of my own, that obviously we are very similar. We have shared interests, ideas, perspectives, and are undeniably bonded in ways that go beyond our love of Westerns in space that tell family dramas in a succinct spiritual format. Mm. As such, being able to introduce my dad to The Mandalorian while I was recovering from a minor procedure took me back to being almost seven years old. Watching his eyes light up and his smile broaden as Din Djarin and IG-11 mowed down that town of child rustlers in the most sci-fi realization of a classic western shootout I've ever seen committed to digital film was simply magical. Seeing him relive his own childhood in that moment, seeing his mind expand and his imagination awaken because of Star Wars rekindled the bond between us that honestly never left but ebbed and flowed over time as everything does. That afternoon with him was one of the best times of my life. As I write this, my father is nearing the end of his time with us. No bakta tank or teched out mod will be able to keep him from passing on into the force. But through the tears, I am smiling because we are meant to grow beyond the past they lay for us as my daughter one day will do to me. Obviously, there are many other important things that dad gave and taught me beyond our oftentimes silly space shows. But being able to revisit something he'd shared with me that meant so much to the both of us, well, it's just another way of knowing that no one's ever really gone. Thank you for reading. If my words today have moved you in any way, please consider a local cancer care charity of your choosing. For example, the good people at the Canadian Cancer Society are doing tremendous work in difficult times to provide help to as many suffering people as possible. May the force be with you. May the force be with you, Adam. Thank you uh, for sharing uh, this very real, very honest, very moving power of the light side. Ken, do you have any any uh, reactions?
3: Yeah, I mean, a little... little uh you know, watery eyes here. And Adam's a, a great listener of us here at four center. He's also, you know, we share a bond over, uh, being involved in the pro wrestling world. He's also a great author as well. Um, you can follow him at overdrive author and, and just say hello to, to Adam and I just, you know, the author of the, the, the book series overdrive. So I love hearing the, the raw, raw honesty. And, and one of the things that I love about, um, adam is he's, he's a big rough and tumble guy right he's, he's a pro wrestler he's a he's a big dude and uh in the gym all those uh, you, you, great pictures i'll oh, oh, keep the updates but he's always presented such a soft heart here and i think a lot of that comes from star wars right i don't mm-hmm. know if adam would agree or not but this kind of stuff and fathers uh, who maybe find it uh you know it's a little harder to connect especially certain generations um i have that too my father and i are so similar but we don't talk all the time because that's just not what you do, you know, and Mm. have these kind of things. It's really powerful and have Star Wars to be at the center of so many of those kind of connections and to see it still uh, moving those connections forward or causing those connections to happen and uh i love seeing that kind of stuff i love seeing you know the the um the, the fine folks of the father and son pat podcast the star wars podcast that's uh out there right now of, of uh, two different generations celebrating this it just um it just shows me this is uh the other power the added power of star wars uh, but even down uh, we talk about the big spiritual stuff but even down to just the pew 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 it all and a smile right? on the father's face that's powerful stuff so adam um thoughts with you and thoughts with your family of course um uh, but i uh, really appreciate this share.
2: Yeah, no this is this is really powerful uh, on on multiple levels and heart yeah. goes out to Adam for uh going through this this part of life that is so difficult but also just really inspiring uh, to hear the way that Adam is uh processing it in such, you know, a healthy way and and turning to stories and philosophy and community to help uh through these inevitable but hard parts of life is really really inspiring. And I think for me, definitely, I like m- my father is aware that uh, he, there was a lot of emotional distance <laughs>
3: mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. with his father, and my dad has gone on such a wonderful journey. He was a very young parent for my brother and I and, and kind of knew like, I don't want to be so emotional distant. Mm-hmm. How do yeah. I do that? <laughs> you know he he went on a yeah. journey to evolve, not knowing how you did that. And not having anybody yeah. to tell him or help him you know
3: yeah
2: um and, and so it has been a journey and, and the beats along the journey were finding those moments of connection that's why i talk so much so much about my dad teach me to play the drums because it was a moment of connection um mm-hmm. where he could he could give uh, give something and, and knew how to connect um but like yeah i have those absolutely fundamental memories of him taking me to to movies and we did not go all the time. So it was really, really special. Uh, Remember Mm -hmm. wrath of Khan in particular, uh, Mm, because you know, he he hadn't been planning on it. And then like we went outside to play with the other kids and we're like, the other kids can't play today because their parents are all taking them to wrath of Khan. And my dad was like, all right, let's go. Let's go. (laughs) Uh, Let's go then. Uh, But then I was talking to him recently and he hadn't told me in a long time, his memory, of seeing Star Wars, of like, mm. for him, it's like, yeah, no, I like, I like Star Trek, and I like Western, so like, I kind of got it or whatever, but it was the big thing, and everybody was talking about it, and you already you already love those toys, and I was like, I don't know, you're young, he's going to flop around, he's like, I held you on my lap, and you didn't move, you, yeah, you know, like, yeah. you, you were hypnotized by that screen, and uh, here you are all these years later, and you're still talking about it? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're so talking hear it from, about it, yeah oh yeah we're talking about it yeah sometimes i think he kind of he kind of gets it and sometimes he kind of doesn't because like i had a nice call with him he's like did you see that ewan mcgregor guy he's he's doing another star wars like yeah yeah, (laughs) he he definitely is um and uh final thing for me so i I just i really appreciate adam bringing those those thoughts and memories because it's uh really resonates with me and oh man i Mm -hmm. i my dad is a huge Western fan and I can't wait to sh- sit down and watch the Mandalorian with him. I just, oh, yeah, I am so, so looking forward to, uh, when the time is right that that can happen. Yeah. And I'm so glad that, uh, that Adam had that moment and shared it with us. So thank you very, very much.
3: Yeah. Adam, great stuff. love hearing it. And, and and I want to be clear too, like, you know, we celebrate all the entry points in star Wars and all generations and, uh star wars uh can you know be there for so many people and represent so many people we're definitely in this era if some, something, something that resonates probably with you and i joseph too just coming up uh, coming up in an era where star wars was for worse Marketed as uh, boys' toys, and mm-hmm. that's what boys do, and especially at the time, perhaps even more just uh, that's what uh, the white uh, little white boys do, and everything. And that's just some harsh realities of that time. So, what happened is a lot of us, like the Adams, like you, like me, like our fathers, who were raised by you know old, old men from a different generation, who Master Obi Wan's or Master Quaggon's are what our feelings, what how can I, <laughs> you know? Um, it's it reminds me the value of George Lucas. Really saying in the height of Rambo fun series, but muscles and guns and this and And look, I I hit the gym too. not as good as Adam, but I get it. It's all there. It's all value. But for George to stand up during that time, and I'm going to teach you this, uh, this fantasy, it's about choices that all leads to hopefully empathy for others. That's what saves the day. Holy crap, it was really valuable. And I'm glad to hear, I, I love reading stories and hearing stories from folks like Adam and even you and I, when we open up to that side of it, um, Star Wars is, is for everyone. And, and, and we want to keep celebrating that. And we want more representation. We want more people at the table. But because it was marketed at a time, the Sears catalog says it was for us. And that was not right. And that was wrong. But a lot of us, uh, I think, picked up valuable lessons that we needed to hear. And I think that's one of the things George really wanted to do. And and I'm getting emotional thinking about it, yeah. but I really yeah. think and he, he nailed it. I really think he did. No,
2: I think so too. I think it is what makes it so, uh, all of Star Wars storytelling so powerful and that this is the, this is the core of how, how to handle, uh, the yeah. difficult things in life, how to, how to find joy. How to find connection? You know, yeah. uh, I'm, I want to sit down and watch The Mandalorian with my dad because he's going to think it's cool <laughs> yeah. when yeah, Din yeah. Cut, when Din cuts a uh, another bounty hunter in half with a door because he's a you know he's the lone man and all that stuff yeah, that yeah. drew my dad to westerns. Uh, but then when my dad watches that show of this this tough lonely man who chooses to be here for this child who needs somebody, right. He he's gonna get a tear in his
3: eye too, because that's what it's yeah. all about. And I'm marking down, I think this is Ken breaks down in tears three times, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, and I'm an emotional guy too, and I and I love it. And 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 Adam and I, we don't talk often, but we've DM'd a couple of times and we we share a lot of similar interests and backgrounds and being in in tough wrestling locker rooms where you are sometimes physically challenged just to prove that you belong there which isn't always the most healthy environment uh, (laughs) to be able to connect with these space fantasies is so good. Adam, we're thinking about you and your father and your family. Yeah.
2: So uh, very, very great power of the light side. Uh, Thank you very much, Adam. And we will shout out again, uh, the Canadian cancer society. Uh, with that, Ken, uh, where can people find
3: us? We are the Force Center podcast feeds. Sometimes we get silly, sometimes we get deep and analytical and other times we just get emotional because that's the part of Star Wars we connect with maybe even more powerfully than the other stuff. And you can find us on Twitter at Four Center Pod. We're on Instagram and YouTube as well. We have a lot of uh, cool stuff going up on the YouTube channel, more and more and live shows, a gl- big live Q&A coming at the end of July. Get ready for that. Facebook page is Four Center Podcast. We are available on ACAST, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcast, and more merch available tpublic.com slash user slash center and we are on uh, patreon.com slash center if you want to support us there you can follow me at ken Napsok or go to my website ken if you're listening to this before a san diego comic-con i'm not necessarily going to be at the con this year but on july 21st i'll be at the american comedy company doing a big show with mark ellis and friends so you can go to my website for ticket information if you're going to be out there joseph you've got some cool stuff coming up too
2: yeah, that is right. I am going to be at the Convergence Convention in my hometown of Minneapolis in August, uh, Friday night of that convention. I'm doing a new show called Joseph Scrumshaw versus Emotions. Some things we've been talking about. <laughs> I lost that yeah. <laughs> Uh No, no, I think uh, it's a comedy title. It's a comedy title. It, it should be. Uh, yeah. there should, there should, we should both win both me and emotions we'll yes. see I haven't finished cool. writing the show we'll see yeah. uh, come, come see if I finish writing the show by August that's part of the hook uh, you can find out information about that on my website josephscrimshaw.com and you can follow me on all the different social media Twitter, Instagram, TikTok is at Joseph Scrimshaw. and that is it for myself for Ken for empathy <laughs> the most important part of Star Wars empathy This has been Force Center.